0: Friends, it seems this year for all of the all of the times that it just seems to drag by. Day blends into day. In some ways, it's amazing how quickly it's gone by. We think that this is going over a year, the COVID restrictions, and that we're dealing with the same things now for the second time. It's hard to believe how how quickly it's gone by and how things have blended together. Before I go too far, there was a prayer request. That Rachel shared earlier and I didn't have my pen to write it down and that's just an update for Jim Saylor remember Jim has had a heart attack and he's been in the Three Hills Hospital for a number of days now and only Ruby is able to visit him there and she's getting very weary uh spending the time there as well just pray for him that God would not only uh touch his uh, body and bring uh, strength and healing to him, but his, his mind and his spirit as well, that God will help him keep his spirits up. So keep Jim, Ruby, and the Sailor family in your prayers as well. I'm glad I remembered that. I was thinking of that because of all the pressure and struggles that we've been under. Normal life pressures have seemed to be magnified during this COVID lockdown. Last year, a year ago, we finished Easter, and God laid it on my hearts to preach a series, remember, till Pentecost. We called it 40 Days of Easter. You say, yeah, that was just not that long ago, was it? Well, we're here again. This is that season between Easter and Pentecost where our focus is on life that is changed because of the resurrection of Jesus though it's a very different series of messages I'm going to be speaking on up until the day of Pentecost. The theme is, as you see on the screen, under pressure. That's a theme that we all understand and we all uh, acknowledge in some way or another that, as I mentioned, the COVID restrictions and all of the losses that we've experienced, all of the upheaval in our lives, the way things have seemed to be turned upside down, have put immense pressure emotional spiritual physical pressure on people anxiety and you know the Bible says God created us living beings body soul spirit soul suitcase psyche mind your body your mind your spirit you're all one piece and when one part of you suffers all of you suffers the anxiety and the mental and spiritual pressure people are under is having dire consequences physically for us and so in times like this if you're like me you turn to God the solace of knowing him and the wisdom and guidance of the word of God the Bible in times like this for direction and you know when we do that we find something amazing that the story of God's people in scripture it's the story of people under pressure You look at the lives of the saints, and it's a lives filled with trouble, turmoil, trials, and tribulations. They have many struggles. They are under enormous pressure because of the days they live in, the personal struggles they face, the fact that trying to live a godly life in a fallen and sinful world, that in and of itself is a struggle. It's the life of people under pressure. This is the, the name and the theme of the series over the next number of weeks. It's kind of humorous because if you know me, you know I, I, I try to see the, the, the humor in almost anything, even our struggles in life. If you can face your struggles with a smile on your face, you are halfway home. I think of God's people, all of them facing trouble in the Bible of one form or another. And I was thinking, what will I call this series? Will I call it... The faithful in a fix, maybe believers in a bind. These actually were were themes going through my mind. The saints in the soup. You know, I tried to even get us from the frying pan into the fire, but I said, no, fire isn't our future. You know, what can I talk about? But then I realized it's like you're in a pressure cooker. It's difficult. You're struggling. And you feel that it's not going to come to an end. But the Bible reveals through the struggles of God's saints that we always come through it by God's grace and with God's help. And so this morning, I want to go way back to the beginning of the Bible to look at the fact that from the very beginning in the human family, back to Adam and Eve's family, that people have struggled, especially people of faith, have struggled against opposition And difficulties. So what you're going through today shouldn't surprise you. Remember, in fact, in John 15, it's not on the screen, but remember Jesus helping us in one of his last uh, discourses with his disciples said, If the world hates you, keep in mind they hated me first. That's one translation. An even better translation is that when the world hates you, because Jesus isn't saying fifty-fifty chance. Try to stay on their good side. Try to capitulate in every moral situation so that the world will like you. He never said that. He says you're salt and you're light, and you put salt in an open wound and it's going to sting. He said your very life will be offensive to a fallen world. So when the world opposes you when the world mocks you when the world puts you down when the world hates you keep in mind they hated me too jesus says they hated me first and if you're following in my footsteps you're going to fall foul of them as well but don't be discouraged he said i have overcome the world this sinful world friends it is on notice There is a day coming, the day of the Lord. There is judgment day coming, and it won't be deterred. In fact, the saint we look at today, the saint in the soup that we're going to examine today, he was in that day of judgment. We call today's message the days of Noah. The days of Noah. Now, you think Noah and the ark. In fact, when I mentioned to the worship team today, I said, do you have a song to go with Noah I think of the kids' song "Arky Arky." We didn't sing that, but but uh, there's not a lot of Noah and the Ark songs that are suited for adults. They mostly aim at children. We tend to think of Noah as a children's story. Apart from maybe manger scenes with the animals, the sheep, and the shepherds, think of what other Bible story has been turned into a children's toy more than Noah, Noah and the Ark the animals two by two, the beautiful rainbows. It seems to be a story designed for children in flannel graph. When in fact, if you look at the days of Noah, it's one of the most grim and violent stories in the entire Bible. In fact, when I look at the story of Noah, it depends on who you are. We often look at the story of Noah, the building of the ark, the animals two by two, the great flood, For instance, if you are a historian, you look at the historical parallels of the flood story, you know the other Near Eastern societies, the Sumerians and others, they have flood accounts that are very similar to the one we find in the Bible. Now those people like to say, well, did we base the Bible account on those accounts? No. Those are humans remembering the same cataclysmic event. So historians think of that, the historical ties. Creationists like to look at the global flood and geologically, and and what it did to the fossil records and everything. That's where their focus is. Some people uh, try to hypothesize whether the dinosaurs themselves went two and by two upon the ark, and and so you see all of these different focuses. If you're an adventurer and explorer, you want to climb Mount Ararat in Turkey and find the remains of Noah's ark. In fact. The American Apollo astronaut James Irwin spent his latter life on expeditions to Ararat trying to find Noah's Ark. How exciting would that be? But for all of this, we tend to forget the basic Bible teaching. The theme of the days of Noah is simple. Three things. Let's remember it. The first is sin. This is a story about the sin of mankind on steroids it's society completely apart from god nothing is too depraved too awful too violent too selfish this is fallen mankind at our worst sin that's the first theme the second is judgment God isn't going to put up with sin forever. He's bringing judgment upon sin. The first is sin. The second is judgment. And the third point of the story is salvation, which is found in no one else but the Lord Himself. Salvation of all things through faith. That's something we understand as believers. We have been saved from sin and coming judgment because of faith in what God has done for us. That's the story of Noah. So we want to see this man living in these awful days and take the biblical story and apply it to our lives today. In looking at the different biblical events and people and groups in the weeks ahead, we're going to see some basic and simple themes that you can apply to your life today. God's Word, even in the oldest portions, the stories of the antediluvian pre-flood saints have things that we can live by and learn by Today, the days of Noah. First thing we want to reiterate I said the theme of sin is that Noah lived in bad days. Noah lived in bad days. If you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to keep it open to Genesis 6, 7, 8, first verse of 9. That's where the story happens today. Uh, what precipitates this drastic judgment that God brought upon the earth? Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, the first three verses. When men, and that's the descendants of Adam and Eve, and the tribes following the lines of their uh, surviving sons, Cain and Seth, when men began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. Now that is the beginning. It's like a bookend on this section. This is the event that kicks off the story of the cataclysm, the great flood, the judgment upon earth. Now what happened here has been much debated among Bible students. What is going on? The sons of God marry the beautiful daughters of men... And it seems that God is not pleased with it. Now many people have looked at that. Even some of the ancient Jews that lived between Old and New Testament times in reflecting on this passage, they wrote in Jewish intertestamental literature, they said, well, the sons of God could be angels. Because in the book of Job, it uses that phrase more than three times it says the sons of God. And it's talking about angels serving God. So angels intermarry with women and God gets upset and their children are these heroic beings called Nephilim they're giants among men so that kind of sort of makes sense and the Jews said well maybe they were all killed in the flood and the spirits of those those hybrid monstrous Nephilim became the demons that's interesting that's where the Jews thought demons came from but that's not taught in the context of scripture In fact, when you look at chapter 6 of Genesis, it follows directly in context with chapter 4 and chapter 5. Starting in chapter 4, you have the murder of Cain and Abel. You have Cain killing his brother Abel because he had an offering that was pleasing to the Lord. He wanted to walk with God. And Cain was more concerned about himself. Chapter 4 is Cain's descendant, that ungodly line of mankind that's spreading out. And violence seems endemic in them. And their sin, every generation grows worse and worse until you have murder and polygamy rampant. And then we come to chapter 5, and it looks at the son that God gave to replace Abel, and that was Seth. And it seems his line walked with God. Among them was Enoch, who walked so closely with God that God took him straight into heaven. It said of that line, these are the people who began to call upon the name of the Lord. These are God's people. And friends, the phrase sons of God doesn't just mean biological son. It doesn't just mean ontological son. Jesus is a son of God. Ontology means your being. But it also speaks of people and can be used of people who are followers of someone, who are adherents or believers in something. For instance, if you mention these people are the sons of liberty. Well, they're people who believe in liberty and live their lives following freedom. That group, those are the daughters of the American Revolution. Well, the American Revolution didn't give birth to them, but they are followers of that history and they're descended from those people. Interesting. So these sons of God, in context, this seems to be, in context the descendants of the godly line of Seth, now begin to intermarry and mix with the fallen humanity, the daughters of men from Cain's line. And there's no longer any righteous people calling on the name of the Lord. Everybody now is bad and fallen and sinful. Almost everybody. Because if we look a little further down, in Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, it says the lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time the lord was grieved so that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You see how awful mankind is? So terrible, in fact, that God, as judgment, is bringing nothing less than an extinction event about All breathing life on earth is to be destroyed. All of it. But, one man found favor with God. One still called upon the name of the Lord. One still walked humbly with his God. And his name was Noah. We should take comfort in that. In fact, Noah, the name means comfort. Because when he was born, his parents says he gives comfort to us as our son. It's a beautiful name. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now Jesus himself, reflecting back on this time, he says, Noah's days should be an example to you living today that judgment is coming. Though salvation was offered as well, and we'll see that in the story, Judgment was coming. Jesus uses this very story as an example in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 26. Jesus says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. And friends, that's how the return of Christ will be. It will take people unaware, like a thief in the night. They are going to go along thinking that they can continue in their selfish, self-centered, sinful lifestyles that nothing will ever change. The evil in society getting worse and worse and thinking that they have the upper hand and then God is going to say, enough, it's over and judgment will come. And just as that extinction event was unleashed upon the world, there is days of suffering that are unmatched since the days of Noah that are in the future for this world, for the people we know today. Judgment hangs over us. It casts a shadow across us. And we as Christians today ought to take lessons from the days of Noah. How did Noah survive in that violent, godless world? He trusted God. Scripture tells us here that Noah believed God's word. God speaks to him. Now, this is before the Bible's composed. The early books of the Bible, the story of Noah itself, is in the books of Moses. This is much, much, much later. But God spoke to Noah, and Noah believed him. Now, we can reflect on that, the amazing thing part of that story. Now, if you're as old as me, you might remember these. They were they were round. They were made of vinyl. They came in different sizes. They spun on a machine at different speeds. They were called records. They were LPs. They were long playing records. And there were little ones called 45s. They spun a little faster. And rather than listening to podcasts, what The internet does today. We had to go to a store and buy a record, for instance, to listen to a comedian tell a story. Now, before he had legal problems, when I was young, our favorite comedian to listen to his records was Bill Cosby. He told funny, clean, family-oriented stories about growing up in Philadelphia. And he reflected even upon stories he heard in the Bible. One of Bill Cosby's greatest comedic monologues was called Noah. It's God speaking to Noah about the ark, about a flood coming from rain. This is in a world that up to that point hadn't seen rain. God didn't water the earth in the same way. And how it was so outlandish and seemingly unbelievable. How did Noah take God seriously? Now, Bill Cosby, of course, did it for humor, but we look at it today and we say, yeah, it's difficult sometimes. God tells you something. Do you take it seriously when God speaks? We see in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Now, don't get the idea that Noah was a perfect individual, a second Adam before the fall. That word, blameless among the people of his time, It's better translated, literally, the word means Noah was complete. And that speaks of the fact that he didn't have divided loyalty. He was complete in that he was wholeheartedly following the Lord. He loved God with all his heart. We know even after the, uh, the, the, the ark emptied its animals out, as we, in the later story, we won't go into it today, but we see right away that sin is still part of mankind's problem. Even among Noah's sons and so forth. Uh, first thing Noah plants is a vine, makes wine, gets drunk, leads to problems. And then his descendants very soon after, they build the Tower of Babel, so sin isn't done away with. But Noah had a heart for God. A heart that was wholehearted in following the Lord. And one of his great strengths is that when God speaks to him, Noah believes him. Now, it's not all going to be up on the screen, just the beginning and the end of it, but I want to read the passage, the, what God tells Noah, his marching orders, God reveals to him, beginning in verse 11 down to verse 22. It says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you should build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Make room for it, make a roof for it, and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy All life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive, you're to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Now that's amazing. That 120 years that God mentioned at the beginning of chapter 6 was actually God spelled out the length of time until the judgment was coming. And so it seems that it took Noah over a century to do this. Because it says in... The final verse that says Noah, verse 22 Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Incredible. He kept his hand to the plow, stayed on course, followed the word of God for 120 years. That's amazing. That's amazing. When you think how long you go through life before you stumble or get sidetracked or let the Lord down and take your eyes off him, 120 years of faithfulness. Noah was wholehearted, but he believed the word of God. Friends, you'll receive so much advice, so many self-help books, so many gurus trying to direct you in life, but look no further than the word of God. It is perfect and flawless. There are Scripture passages that speak of the quality of God's Word. 1 Peter, quoting the Old Testament, verse 24-25 of chapter 1, For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord stands forever. Great Psalm 119 that speaks of the Word of God, verse 89, Your Word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in The heavens God's Word won't change it won't pass away Proverbs 30 verse 5 says every word of God is flawless he is a shield to those who take refuge in him the Word of God will extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy it will salve your heart from the wounds of life God's Word is your shield and your refuge If you're confused, look to God's Word. Again, Psalm 119, 105. God's Word, it it should say your Word, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's Word is perfect. It's flawless. It's true. It will protect you. It will heal you. It will guide you. It will make you wise for salvation. Noah believed God. He believed His Word. Friends, in days of pressure, you need to believe the word of God too. But don't just believe it with your mind. (laughs) Believe it with your whole life. Noah didn't just hear the word of God, nod his head and say, that's interesting, Lord. I appreciate you sharing that with me. I will take that under advisement. (laughs) When somebody tells you that, what they mean is, I'm not listening to you. I listen with my ears, but that's as far as it goes. I'm not acting on it. Noah, we know he actually believed God because he acted on what God said. Noah built the ark. He committed the next century of his life and the life of his family to build the ark in a world that wouldn't understand. You're building an enormous boat in the middle of dry land, Warning of a coming flood, which is going to come from rain, which up to this time was unknown to people. You talk about confusing the people. Genesis chapter 7 speaks of what went on. The first five verses says, The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark. The ark's now complete at this point in the story. Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Because Noah built the ark. He acted on his faith. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal. This is the earliest reference to clean and unclean animals. The clean animals are those that are at this point used for food and for sacrifice, pleasing sacrifices to God. seven seven of every kind of clean, clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animals, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive through the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him didn't just believe it this passage says he acted on it he did it the bible is very clear that we need to be more than hearers of the word when you hear a message when you read a message a sermon a sunday school lesson bible study daily bread your devotions don't just tuck it away as bible trivia let God speak to you how you can live out the truth that you have heard today. Hebrews chapter 7 says that Noah was a man of faith. He acted on faith. Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith says in verse 7 By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen rain, floods, all of that in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Did you get that? This sinful world, just by living a faithful life, following the word of God, Noah condemned the sinful world. If everybody was sinful, we'd have no example that it could be anything else. But Noah's life It was like a witness to the others. A witness that they could accept or reject. And they obviously rejected it. Because when God closed that great door in the side of the ark, only the seven people of Noah's family went inside. I'm sure it was open to anybody who would believe because Noah, first, his life was a witness. Building that great ark for over a century was an incredible witness to all the world. But not just with his deeds did he witness, Noah also spoke the word of God. First we see that when you trust God, let's look at some verses about trusting in the word of God, beginning in Matthew chapter 7. If you do the word of God, rather than just hearing the word of God, it provides a foundation for your life. Jesus says in Matthew 7, therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And James reminds us, it's only in verse 22, not verse 25. Do not merely listen to the Word. That's the Word of God. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. God's Word is always to be believed by obeying it, by doing it. Trust and obey, the old hymn says. And it's so true. That's real faith in God's Word is to act on it to act on it and Noah did not only were his actions a witness as I said earlier but he spoke and gave meaning to his actions 2nd Peter is an interesting book it reflects on the story of Noah quite a bit the epistle of Jude does something very similar speaking of 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 judgment and past examples we read in verse 8 of 2nd Peter chapter 2 or verse 5 rather Speaking of God, it says if. If God, if He did not spare the ancient world when He brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Now that's the verse. And you say, God's saying if. If always comes with a second clause. Then. If, then. If God didn't spare the world, but brought judgment. The then's not on the screen, but it's further down in verse 9. It says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment. See, it still speaks of salvation and judgment. It says, though, there that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So the word of God came through Noah by his actions and his words. Now, sometimes we're very comfortable about letting our actions speak. And we're very shy about speaking out loud. But the Bible also informs us to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope we have. And in these dark, stressful, pressure-filled days, people are looking for the hope you have. The hope that comes from knowing Jesus. Because the Noah story is one not only of sin and judgment, but God saved Noah through his faith in God. And acting on that faith, an act of faith, he built the ark, trusted God, and God saved his family and redeemed the human race. The line continued that one day Jesus, the Son of God, would be the Son of Man as well. Noah was blessed by God. Noah was in bad days. He believed the Word of God. He built the ark, and then God blesses him. It's an amazing story. Noah was blessed by God. Genesis At the end of the story of Noah, the cycle of story in the end of chapter 8, says in verse 20 that Noah, the first thing he does when he leaves the altar, or the ark rather, then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, a heart that earlier regretted making mankind and destroyed the world, Now God says in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. Then skip down to chapter 9, verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase and fill the earth. God made an agreement, a covenant with Noah, that never again would the world be destroyed by water. Future judgment, the final cataclysm for this sinful world, will be judgment by fire. Never again by flood. And now we live in a world, remembering the days of Noah where rain falls, and the sign of God's covenant with Noah still shines today when those water droplets refract, the sunlight, make beautiful rainbows. And that's the time we live in now. When we see the rainbow, friends, it should remind us that the days we live in are very similar to the days of Noah. Judgment is coming. Believe the Word of God. Trust God. Trust Him by acting on His Word. Be doers of it, not just hearers of it. And will God bless? (laughs) We have the new covenant covenant of Jesus that he brought through his body and his blood. In just a few moments, we'll take the elements of communion and we will share those together, remembering the new covenant that Jesus brought. Noah's covenant spoke of the world continuing on for a time, but the new covenant speaks of salvation once and for all. Paul in the book of Ephesians speaks of the blessing of God that rests on us today because of the new covenant as we walk with jesus the beginning of the book of ephesians is a catalog of blessing god loves you so much that he pours out his blessing on you paul overflows with praise because of it he says in ephesians 1 3 and following praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in christ Every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. He goes on and on and speaks of the blessings that God has for you as a child of God. As Noah, we need to respond in worship to celebrate the covenant that we are in today. Friends, we live in difficult days, not just because of COVID restrictions, but because the heart of man continues to be evil. The inclination of our heart is wicked from childhood. Scripture says it. And we've learned today that you need to trust the Word of God. Not just trust it with your heart, but with your hands as well. Live your life in accordance with it and act on it. And now I'd invite you to get your communion elements ready as we turn to the Paul's writing of Jesus instituting this covenant at the Last Supper. Speaking to the church in Corinth in a corrective manner, the Apostle Paul focusing on the Lord's Supper says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. We'll share the elements together in just a moment, but first, let's give thanks to God for both of these elements in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we look at the story of Noah, the story of sin and judgment and salvation. And Lord, we reflect that that was a a picture of what Jesus would do for us. When we are in Christ, Lord, we are as safe as Noah was in the ark, safe from judgment, not because we deserve to be saved, but because of Your great love for us that adopted us into the very family of God. Lord, we know that our sins, Lord, they were paid for by Jesus on the cross as He shed His blood and gave His body freely for us. And so, Lord, we give thanks for the bread which reminds us of the body of Christ. We give thanks for the cup by which we recall the precious blood of the Lamb without sin or blemish, that was shed for us. Lord, we thank You. We thank You for the new covenant. We thank You for all the spiritual blessing that we have through Jesus. For we pray this all in His name. Amen. If you peel back, if you have those uh, fellowship cups and peel back the cellophane and take the wafer out, we reflect on what Jesus said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. As we peel back the foil tab on the cup, as we take the cup in hand, we recall Jesus' words. He says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. Friends, let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the table of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for that reminder we need to remember. Lord, in remembering, Father, we celebrate Jesus' love for us. Until he returns, we know his return will be at the great and terrible day of the Lord. Lord, until that day of salvation and judgment comes, may we be faithful as in the days of Noah, Lord, to live lives that shine as a witness in a dark world, but also to speak the good news, the words of love, that Jesus came to save a lost world. Lord, bless us now as we go from this place of worship to our places of ministry. We pray all of this in the name of our risen Lord. Amen. Just a reminder, folks, on your way out of church, I always encourage you, take one or two of those little uh, communion cups home. So if you're ever at home and you want to partake, you have those elements available to you. Feel free to take them home. We have many more available. God bless you and keep you.